0: Hi, my name is Donna Johnson. I'm Senior Vice President of Marketing at CradlePoint. Evolution
1: is probably the biggest characteristic of SD WAN. I am Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi Donna, thank you so much for Hi. being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, I am looking forward to this conversation. So we're going to be talking about a few things, a few different technologies and how they kind of relate to each other. But before we do that and delve into some of the specifics of that, Donna, what's an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you?
0: Wow, it's, it's really hard to think of a particular time. Um, what I would probably say is that as a woman and as and as a mother, I think you learn to listen to a lot of viewpoints. You learn to be empathetic. Some of that is how I think we're raised as girls to be. Maybe some of that is just inherent. Um, and so we learn to to really listen. And as a mother in particular, I think you learn to blend a lot of different people's needs. Your kids, your husband, your family, your parents, your, your work experience. You're always balancing all those things. And I think that at work, I bring that to my position because a lot of my position is listening to a lot of people, taking in a lot of input, balancing that against the big picture needs, as well as the personal needs of, of different people and trying to come together in a consensus and um, you know make everyone happy while still doing the right thing. That's not unique to women. Obviously, a lot of men do that as well. But sometimes I think that women are kind of almost brought up, to, to do those things. Um, and so I, I think that's something that I do well and it's empowered me throughout my career.
1: Yeah, certainly. And empathy comes up a lot in my guests answer to this question. And I think a trend that, that I, I've noticed that others have noticed, and I think we're all hoping kind of sticks around is with COVID-19 and, um, how that's impacted people. Empathy is becoming more of a valuable trait in a leader and a manager. So in a lot of ways, that's valuing something that, you know, is coded female. And suddenly it's something we, we think is important to have as a leader. And so it's one of those silver linings, I think, of the pandemic and the the insight and transparency we're getting into people's lives. And
0: I would and, just add to that. I think one of the challenges we're all facing, because I we're still working at home at Cradle Point to a large extent, is maintaining empathy and being able to listen and balance and do all of that while, you're, while most of your interactions are, are virtual. Um, I don't think that's normal for human nature. And so it's been an interesting exercise to try and maintain that when your only interaction with people is electronic and through these little squares.
1: Yeah, definitely. Which is an interesting point to bring up on a podcast about technology, right? Because it's one of those, those questions that's becoming more and more relevant as things like the metaverse become a bigger topic, which is how is technology impacting things like empathy and human connection? So that's a good point. That's probably an entirely different podcast we could do. Oh, whole, whole thing, <laughs> whole different podcast. But you're actually here to talk about, okay, well, let's start with technology number one. I, I teased that there were a few things we we're discussing. And the first thing we're gonna talk about is um, SD-WAN. So you've written considerably about this topic. Can you tell me a bit about the relationship between SD-WAN and 5G and if that technology is more important in the 5G era or if it's had to evolve? in the 5G era?
0: Well, that's that's a great question. And I have written, written, talked, um, ran on a bit about SD-WAN. I've been working in it for years. I um, actually started with a, an early pioneer in the technology. And um, I would say that it has evolved. In fact, evolution is probably the biggest characteristic of SD-WAN. Because when I look at where it started and where we are today, it's a constantly evolving technology um, to meet the underlying changes in networks. So for example, SD-WAN really started when MPLS was the predominant WAN connection for businesses. So a lot of the initial SD-WAN capabilities were geared around how do we supplement and eventually replace MPLS. Um, And then the network keeps changing. So broadband was introduced. So it became much more adaptive to broadband. Uh, Cloud kind of grew up at the same time as SD-WAN. So how does it adapt to cloud? How How do we take into account security needs? Um, It went from an overlay technology to an inline technology, and now we're in a 5G age and it's continuing to evolve. And I think that's what's been great about the technology is that it it has adapted and continued to meet enterprises needs. Um, On the downside of that, I think it's gotten a little bit confusing because it's adapted so many times that sometimes it's not really clear what SD-WAN is and it's become a bit of an all-encompassing term. Um, so anything that you do to connect your locations to your applications in the cloud in a secure way to ensure high application quality and availability is considered to be SD-WAN at this point. Um, so that was my little background on SD-WAN, if anyone, if anyone cares. Um, so I think that with 5G, some of the initial things in SD-WAN are becoming less relevant. So it started in an MPLS world. Most MPLS links are 1.5 megabits per second. 5G can be, I'm gonna talk street value, not not theoretical, can be three, four, 500 uh, megabits per second. So techniques that were built to adapt to a 1.5 megabit world don't necessarily make sense when you're looking at 500 meg. So I think there's a lot of features like that that we need to reevaluate in a 5G world. but not necess- it, it doesn't mean that SD-WAN is less relevant. It just means that it is adapting. And let me tell you one that's near and dear to cradle point when we look at that adaptation is um, SD-WAN was largely built in a world where you were connecting fixed permanent locations to the network. We worked in an office. The offices were known. You were going to be in that office for 10 years, 20 years. You, know, you weren't moving around willy-nilly. And 5G is a ubiquitous connectivity source that allows you to operate from anywhere. And the rise of it has coincided with the rise of people wanting to work from anywhere and shop from anywhere and get their healthcare from anywhere. So SD-WAN needs to continue to evolve, not just to take into account 5G, but to take into account this, this fact that we're not connecting fixed locations anymore. That's not how the world works anymore. And I think those two trends together are really what's gonna drive the next evolution of SD-WAN.
1: That's very interesting. Um, And I appreciate you providing some background on that. You mentioned, you know, the enterprise's needs uh, and SD-WAN and an SD-WAN that fits into the 5G era is one of those needs, but there's also a lot of talk about private networks, whether that's LTE or 5G. What is Cradlepoint's perspective on private networks and how that market has been developing so far? Is it what you expected? Is it going differently?
0: So I've been fortunate enough in my career to have to see a couple major trends. We talked about the rise of SD-WAN, the rise of 5G, and actually there's sort of this third trend, which is the rise of private cellular networks using private 4G and 5G spectrum. I mean, it's really just another technology wave that's coming on enterprises. And it's the ability to use effectively, a cellular network for landside connectivity. Um, and, you know, we, we're all familiar with Wi-Fi, but Wi-Fi itself has some limitations. Um, how, how much it can scale, potentially some security, how many devices it can connect, um, whether, you know, how well it can operate over uh, outdoors and things like that. And um, so using cellular spectrum, which is inherently built for high-scale outdoor use, Massive numbers of connections, high performance, high security, makes a lot of sense to use as effectively a land side technology. Um, We've been talking about this for several years. We're definitely seeing an upswing in use of it. Has it evolved the way we expected? I don't know that anyone five years ago had private cellular on their radar. So I don't know if there were in the beginning a lot of expectations. I think a little bit it's been a technology in search of a use case to some extent. People think it's a really good idea, but we're still feeling out a little bit where the maximum benefit can be felt. So we know, we know that large scale um, locations are a great use case for it. So if I have a huge warehouse or a port or an airport, and I need everything to connect, it just doesn't make economic sense to use Wi-Fi. It's just too it's too hard to get enough access points. The range isn't great enough. Um, it's just not, it's not conducive to that. Um, and we know that if just using 5G isn't always economically feasible because um, the data costs can, can run high if you're running your entire enterprise landside data across a public network. Um, and a lot of people don't want their data to ever leave their network. So they don't necessarily want it to go to the public carrier. So private cellular solves those problems. It gives you an economic solution to cover long distances in a secure way with high performance where the data stays local to the land till you choose to let it out. Um, And so there's been a few obvious ones, ports, airports, large scale, logistics centers, even cities, entire cities, entire school districts. So I think that's played out the way we expected in that those are the types of venues that are starting to use it. Where we think we're gonna see it go over time is more and more to Maybe not just always extremely large scale. Maybe it's smaller sites. Maybe it's sites where um, you need um, higher density of connections or something like that, and or you want to tune things a little bit more than you can with, say, a Wi-Fi network. So maybe it'll gradually move into some smaller locations. Um, maybe even inside locations, office buildings, and things like that. Eventually, as we look at uh, almost emerging of, of Wi-Fi and private cellular technologies. So I think to say, has it played out the way you expected? I think our expectations are always being formed. Is it an incredibly exciting area to work in that offers a lot of opportunities for enterprises to really build tailored networks? Absolutely.
1: And I'm just going to go off script here and ask a follow-up question just because I, I'm curious. So these private networks, there's a level of isolation here, right? From from the macro network, is that always what's desirable, or is is are some of these private networks really going to be more like hybrid networks? Because you still want to be able to access. You want your employee, maybe, <laughs> maybe you you it's military or or something like that, and you don't want your employee to be able to access the the macro network outside. But I guess like what really is a private network if you're actually bringing it to that level. That well, let we're me
0: give about. you two interesting examples of how that segmentation can matter. One is, uh, let's say you're a city government and you're doing a video capture surveillance. And um, you don't really want that video to be outside of your city. You don't want it to go on the network. You don't want to cross public networks. You need that to stay local to do whatever it is you're, you're gonna do. Maybe you're using AI techniques to look for patterns of behavior in the video. You want that data to stay local. At some point, you're gonna wanna maybe take a snippet of that or an outcome of that and send it up to the cloud, but it's not gonna be all of it. So you want the majority of that data to stay local, whether it's for privacy or security concerns. So yes, you do have some outside connection to it, but you think of it as almost a citywide land where most of the data stays local. So that's a great example of it's segmented, but it's a lot for privacy and security reasons. Um, another big use case is mines. Mines are largely segmented because there is not much else out there. So you build a network in a place that kind of a network doesn't exist. You may have a lifeline WAN side connection or internet connection for various things, but a lot of the data again stays local. Um, so that would be segmented more because you just don't have the the kind of bandwidth that you need for that public access network. And then utilities and things like that are looking at this as a segmented network because they want the network segmented. And maybe there is no internet access to it. Maybe they just use it for the land, the connection of the utilities, because they want to harden the network and just really not allow access. Then I guess you have kind of a fourth example where people are going to roam across them. So let's say you're a police vehicle or a city vehicle. Maybe you're going to stay on the private network while you're in the city boundaries, but at some point leave the city boundaries and you need to access the public networks. So you want to be able to swing between the two. So there maybe the public network is more for economic circumstances that it's segmented versus security.
1: Donna, for my last question, let's kind of bring this back to cradle point and what you guys are doing. So I know you're working with Erickson um, on private networks. Can you tell me more about what the two of you are working on?
0: Yeah, um, so Ericsson acquired Cradlepoint um, about a year and a half ago now. And um, Ericsson, I think your listeners know this, is a very large telecommunications company, provides a lot of the infrastructure for carriers around the world. So it's probably not much of an exaggeration to say that Ericsson is building the 5G network. And they're using a lot of that technology to help build private networks as well, both, both 4G and 5G. So Ericsson knows a lot about how to build a cellular network. CradlePoint knows a lot about how to meet enterprise needs for security, manageability, and deployment. And um, the two of us together, we think, can really build the the best private network for our customers by combining the the technology capability of Ericsson with the enterprise knowledge of of CradlePoint. In fact, there was an announcement just a week or so ago of a, a new business unit being formed in Ericsson, um, which is enterprise wireless solutions led primarily by cradle point, but offering the complete uh, private network portfolio to enterprises where we'll really be able to create tailored solutions that match the exact needs of our customers, whether it's for completely isolated networks, whether it's for uh, easy to deploy ones, whether they want to pick each radio and cell site and, Um, endpoint themselves or whether they want to go with something that's uh, to some extent prepackaged, we really think we'll be able to solve a full range of needs for our customers and really combine, like I said, the enterprise knowledge that we have, how to work with IT and OT teams um, with the the best in the world technology around building cellular infrastructure. So this is one of the key pillars when the acquisition was originally announced that we said we were going to work on and we're really excited to see this start to come to market.
1: Very cool. Donna, thank you so much. Well, hope I didn't mansplain it. I think women's planning is- uh, ah, That's the whole point important. of the podcast, right? <laughs> well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com.